Well, great uh, to see you all. It's uh, good to be back. Uh, for those of you that are here first time, welcome. Hopefully you'll have a, a fun service with us. Uh, I've been missing in action for a few weeks. Uh, I was in South Africa. I did a funeral service for my uh, stepmother. So uh, that was a, a difficult uh, time just getting there, but really rich and rewarding to be with extended family, uh, and uh, particularly to uh, be with my dad. Uh, so it's fun to be back. It's good to see you all. And I realize that colleges are out and uh, people have graduated. Uh, so I, I wanted to show a little video clip. Liza, why don't you come on up? Uh, Liza's spent a... <laughs> don't talk until I tell you. <laughs> uh, Liza spent a, a, a year, nine months, nine months, eight months, you can talk. <laughs> that's enough, that's enough. <laughs> eight months. <laughs> she did a gap year uh, with uh, HLI, which stands for? The Heroic Leadership Institute. Woo. Now we have a hero from the Heroic Leadership Institute. Sure uh, which is a vineyard uh, idea, uh, and uh, there's a chance to go away that's growing uh, in locations. Uh, Liza was up in, in Portland, Maine, I mean in Lewiston, Maine, uh, but there's a number of different uh, locations. And there's a little video clip, let's uh, roll this and then uh, you'll give you a good feel. You can hit some light share for us, Dave.
Eli really gave me a safe place where I could be myself and yet encounter God's grace in a new way. HLI really helped me discipline myself to always stay engaged to whatever's going on and to view people from a kingdom perspective. For me, HLI helped me to understand the necessity to have compassion on others and to just choose to love others even when it's hard. It has taught me how to uh, grow my relationship with God before I go out into the world. It has given me the space and the place to just um, grow my relationship with Him and get to know Him better. Being here has shown me the kind of man that I want to be and how I can learn and grow to become that guy. So HLI has taught me a lot about myself and more importantly, who I'm not. And it's also given me quite a bit of biblical knowledge that I intend to take back home and use. It is. All right, chalk you up the last minute and a half while I got Eliza here. I cut your video. That was Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, Eliza, was this a worthwhile endeavor for you? Your mom and dad uh, obviously had to fork out some money to have you go there. Yeah. Now you've done it. You're advocating for this. Uh, was it worth it? Are so, you thankful to your parents for this? Let me just start off by saying that, yes, I had the very rare chance of having my parents pay for my tuition. Most HLI students don't have that opportunity. And I don't think that it was fair for me because I, I, was, so, um, I was so busy with the program that I didn't have a lot of time to, to spend more time on the phone with my family. And I really, I really am grateful to my family. It's just that HLI is a very time-consuming program. And I didn't even, like senior year, I didn't even know how wonderful HLI would be for me. I didn't know the kind of impact it would have on my life. And yet, I stand here and I think back and I'm like, wow, I'm really changed. Like, I wouldn't have had that if I didn't take the chance. But like changed, like yeah, obviously you're connecting with, the focus is worship and God and learning Bible and doing stuff and doing it with your peers. But why was it positive for you? I mean, what was the, the draw for you? Was it the peers? Was it the location? Was it the teaching? Where you went? So I went to Project Timothy for three years. And while I was there, I was able to meet a youth group from the Pathway Vineyard. And the HLI that I went to is in the Pathway Vineyard. And the students that came from there were really, um, they were set apart in a different way that I, I, I didn't understand. So they acted very differently from all their peers. They had a kind of grace about them that I didn't understand. So that's really what drew me there. And I found out when I got there that it's really the culture of Pathway Vineyard. Like, they are a culture of grace. They are a culture of love. And they just, they love each other with everything they've got. And it's so evident. Well, that's really great. So you, you, you saw something and you wanted to, it was something that you had to, you had to catch it, really. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. All right, let's watch the last. Uh, Liza told me the ed, end of this video is the best. You know, this is the, oh, so it's yes. the last minute and a half. Thanks, Liza. Yep. Give me my microphone back.
if I'm more excited to leave the snow or to talk about Jesus. Definitely a mix of both. I think Jesus operates more and warmth. I think snow is of the devil. For sure. Am I, like, supposed to agree with you? I, yeah, definitely. No, I like snow. Okay. I think well. it's pretty. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> so that's why Liza liked the, the end part of the video, huh? <laughs> well, as uh, Liza shared, uh, you know, when you do things with good company, it makes it great. Uh, if you, uh, she was drawn in, as she said, because she saw something in others that was magnetic, that was endearing, that she couldn't put a finger on, uh, that she desired. Uh, I think it's uh, like that in life. Uh, you could have a, a less than stellar job when it comes to the day-to-day -day routine of your job, but if you're doing it with people that you like, uh, your job could actually be uh, fun, even if it's pretty mundane. And the reverse is also true. You might have the most uh, you know, wonderful job in terms of the technicality, uh, but if the people that you're doing it with are miserable, uh, you just have a miserable time. So the company that you keep uh, or the company that you're in uh, is a big deal, and it, uh, it really does make a difference. You could go away on vacation to a really idyllic spot, but if you end up having a, an argument with your spouse or the people that you're with or you know, there's some sort of family feud wherever you get to, uh, typically your vacation is miserable. On the other hand, uh, you know, you could go like fishing down here at Lake Maskinog uh, and uh, just hang out with a bunch of buddies and just have like a great day. I mean, you don't have to go that far because the people make a difference. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, those that like fishing think it's a great idea. And those that don't, it's like I can't think of anything worse. But, you know, people make a difference. Uh, and... Uh, God is in the people business. Uh, God uh, is in the business of trying to uh, establish relationship with us. Uh, God loves it when we love him. God wants to reveal himself to us. Uh, now, that's sometimes a little mysterious. But uh, when we connect with God, when we have a, a, an encounter with God that's personal, uh, it's always an aha moment. It's something that we remember it's something that we long for, but uh, it's not something that we can necessarily uh, mechanically make happen. Uh, and yet, God desires us to live a life in relationship with Him and in relationship with others. Uh, when I was in South Africa, uh, one of my tasks, besides doing the funeral, was to try and uh, teach my dad how to run his own personal finances because my stepmom had always done it, and she did a really phenomenally great job of doing it. So uh, my task, uh, I realized, was a little harder than I thought when I got to the ATM machine, and uh, I said to my dad, okay, so let's just go through this. And he says, well, how does this work? I said, well, you put a card in, and then what happens? I said, oh, dear. <laughs> I'm starting at the low level here. 
So uh, uh, I uh, then tried to see if I could get like my dad's bank stuff online so that I could just overview it and help him out and make sure that all his bills are being paid. Uh, what I didn't anticipate, that that simple request uh, turned into a four-day episode at the bank, going in every day and then needing more documents, and then the bank teller telling me something else, and then going back and needing some more documents. And, and uh, after four days, and I think it was more than four days, and I eventually ran out of time, I still cannot perform the simple operation of uh, getting online. But uh, in the midst of this, it also happened to be a public holiday on the Monday and a public holiday on the Friday, and the banks were just crazy. I mean, they, they like, there's like 10 people deep at the ATM. There's like 10 people deep at each teller. And uh, I asked this one teller who's trying to help me out, uh, you know, how to do this stuff, and her eyes are rolling, and she's like, I'm really uh, feeling anxious. She said, there's a lot of pressure, and I can't get through everybody. And, and I'm thinking, well, I'm not asking much. It's just a small question. But she realized from her standpoint, I was asking a lot. So anyway, uh, we didn't get, I didn't come right the first time, nor the second, nor the third time. And I realized every time she saw me, I was, uh, she was getting freaked out. So uh, I said, Dad, let's go and buy her some flowers. We, we came back with flowers, and it was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And she was on her lunch break, which she should have taken at 12. And I think the banks closed at 3.30 or something. So I left her flowers. So the next day, I said, okay, now I'm all set. So uh, I come in, and as soon as I come in, she says, you didn't have to buy the flowers, you know. And I'm like, well, no, but you were stressed out. She said, I am stressed out. I'm still stressed out, and I was stressed out. I'm like, yeah, but I've I got to get this stuff done. So she says, okay. And so we're working away on this stuff now. She's Indian. She's got one of these red dots between her, uh, yeah, between her eyes. I mean, she's a Hindu. And, uh, and lo and behold, one of the questions that she has to have an answer for is, what is my profession? I don't know what that's got to do with anything, but she needs to know. She's filling out a form. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, this is going to go great. <laughs> I said, I'm a pastor. She pushes back, and an exact opposite reaction to what I anticipated. You a pastor? I said, yeah, I am. And the bank's packed. There's people behind us in the line. There's people, I mean. She said, I had an encounter with Jesus. I said, really? Tell me about it. I mean, now for the first time, this is becoming interesting. <laughs> she says, well, I was praying to all my Hindu gods, and nothing was happening. And she said, I was getting really frustrated, so I decided I'd try and pray to Jesus. She said, so I prayed to Jesus. And I said, and what happened? She said, it was the most incredible thing. I had an encounter with Jesus. I said, an encounter? I said, describe that to me. And she pushes back and she, the whole tone changes and said, well, Jesus appeared to me. I said, appeared to you? Describe it. And then she, just, she starts describing God. She starts describing the light. She says, there was this aura around him. She said, I felt a sense of peace. She said, and then what was most amazing, Jesus says to her, he says, I've heard your prayer. And I like your heart. He says, I love you. And she starts crying. And the tears are flowing down her cheek. And I'm thinking, we're in the bank. <laughs> I'm listening to a Hindu girl tell me about her encounter with Jesus and how Jesus loves her. And uh, so I, I immediately 
respond. I said, so what church do you go to now? She says, oh, no, I'm Hindu. I don't go to church. So I said, well, how are you doing with reading the Bible? She says, I don't have a Bible. I've never read the Bible. I said, you haven't even read like one book of the Bible? Nope. One page of the Bible? Nope. One verse of the Bible? Nope. I said, you know what? You're really going to do well to just like read about Jesus in the Bible. I'm going to organize for a Bible. So that was the beginning of the story. Now, I'm not going to tell you the end of the story because next week (laughs) is Pentecost Sunday. You might think it's Memorial Day weekend, but next week is Pentecost Sunday. And I want to tell you what she then told me. That's a good story. So you can come back next week. (laughs) Cancel those Memorial Day weekend plans. This will be much more fun. Uh, Look, what I want you to get out of my sermon today is a sense that uh, we need to have relationship with God and that Jesus actually wants to have relationship with us. That God the Father has given us Christ uh, to enable us to have relationship with him. And as we're going through this uh, series, The Victor and the Prize, uh, we're talking about what Jesus, as the victor, the overcomer, the hero, has achieved on the cross. The prize, uh, one of the primary prizes is that we can have relationship with God that is so different to the way people had relationship with God before then. You know, if you look at the Old Testament, uh, you've got to go through priests and sacrificial system, and uh, and then after Jesus has been on the cross and and made a way for us, we can have an encounter with God that is personal. Uh, And today, I I just want us to be uh, encountering Jesus personally again. Uh, And how is your relationship with Jesus now? I mean, not your theory, not your Bible knowledge, your relationship. How are you doing with Jesus now? Uh, That's what I want you to get out of my sermon today, a closer relationship walk encounter with with God. So Jesus, uh, I just acknowledge that no amount of talking uh, can uh, really do that. Uh, Either you show up, either you reveal yourself to us like you did to that uh, Hindu teller. Lord, uh, we just give you our lives. I just give you this time right now. I ask for the power of your Holy Spirit uh, to be here, to empower my preaching, but uh, God, the goal is that we would encounter your love afresh today. Not just encounter about it, but to encounter you. So Lord, I, I just welcome your presence here, your spirit here. Move on us today. Uh, in your name, Jesus. Amen. If you're uh, following along in the insert, I uh, had an insert in there. It looks like this. You can get it out of your bulletin. Uh, I want to talk about the prize of companionship. And the first uh, prize of companionship is, as I've alluded to, uh, relationship or companionship with God the Father through Jesus. I mean, this is simple in one sense, but in another sense, uh, we learn about this for the rest of our lives, developing, understanding what this relationship with with God is all about. Now, in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 16, Uh, Verse 16, 
there's this dialogue with the disciples and Jesus. And I think it's really pertinent to the way we understand uh, Jesus today. The sense where, on the one hand, there's a mystery going on. Uh, in a sense, Jesus is preparing us for a life of faith. On the one hand, Jesus is explaining the facts. On the other hand, we don't really get it. You know, Jesus is saying, I love you. And on the other hand, we're like, yeah, but could you be a little more specific, a little clearer? And then Jesus seems to be a little cryptic, or sometimes we feel like Jesus is not in much of a hurry, and we're praying and praying and praying, and nothing seems to be happening, and, and we get a little anxious, and uh, God just doesn't seem to be that phased. Uh, he's not in a rush, and, and, and we're thinking, come on now. And uh, this is what's going on uh, in this section in John. So let me just read this section to you. Uh, Jesus says in John 16, 16, In a little while, you won't see me anymore, but a little while after that, you will see me again. Now, think of it from the hearer's standpoint. They clearly were confused by what Jesus was saying. What do you mean we won't see you and then we will see you? And more specifically, what do you mean in a little while? And uh, then Jesus tries to clarify this with them. Now, of course, we know the story, and we're living on this side of the cross, and we know what Jesus was talking about was saying, hey, listen, I'm about to be crucified. I'm hanging out with you guys. I'm explaining what's about to happen. Uh, and you don't fully get it, but you kind of got it enough that you're going to get it later on. And then Jesus assuring them and saying, look, it's going to feel like I've abandoned you and, and, and I'm like left you, but I'm coming back. And indeed, Jesus resurrected and he reappears to the disciples. So with hindsight, it all makes sense. We understand that part of the story. But at the time that Jesus is explaining it to them, there's a mystery involved. And so the disciples are saying in verse 17, they're asking each other, what does he mean when he says in a, in a little while? Now, that's still a mystery for all of us. God's timing is just like not our timing. And so they say, what does he mean? In a little while, what does that mean? Like right now, next week, next year? And they don't know. He says, you won't see me, and then, I, then you will. He says, I'm going to the Father. And what does he mean? In a little while, we don't understand. And so Jesus picks up on their dialogue, and then he sort of articulates what is going to happen, but not really. I mean, he kind of gives them a gist of what's going to take place, but it's sort of cryptic. Uh, and Jesus just seems to be thinking that there's other things he needs to be talking about, not necessarily what the disciples are specifically asking, which is often the way it is in our lives. You know, we think we need to pray about this. This is the thing. This is the issue. This is where we're at. God didn't answer. And some or other, Jesus, you know, is thinking something else is more important, or he's working somewhere else, or he's doing something else. And we're like, uh, God, I need your help. But anyway, Jesus explains to them in this, the rest of this narrative. But in verse 27, he says, For the Father himself loves you dearly, because you love me, and believe that I came from God. So, they are trying to figure out what's going on, and Jesus is saying, look, what's really important is what you have figured out. And what you have figured out is that the Father himself loves you dearly. And that's what we need to figure out, that God 
loves each one of us dearly. And he does so because you love me, because you love Jesus. And, I, and you believe that I came from God. So, you know, Jesus sort of connecting the dots. You love me, you love the Father. You don't have to figure out the whole trinity to know that. You just have to have some element of faith that trusting in me, loving me, is the same as trusting in the Father and being loved by the Father. And then the disciples have the dialogue. Now they're sort of happy. They've got a lot of the uh, answers. And in verse 29, the disciples said, At last, you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you. From this we believe that you came from God. So great. They've kind of figured it out. They all said, it's making sense. Jesus is speaking clearly. And then Jesus, like, does a right turn on them. He says, do you finally believe? And clearly, they've just expressed it. They've just said, okay, we get it. And then Jesus questions. So you do finally believe. You really get this. And then he says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me all alone. I mean, think about that. The moment they finally get it, Jesus says, you haven't got it. You say you love me. You say you believe in me. You say you got this all figured out. But very soon, you're going to desert me. You're going to just be scattered. And you know what? I'm going to be all alone. Now, here's the pertinent part. We don't have to figure all of this out all the time. But Jesus is sort of setting a human uh, way that we're all going to experience. We're all going to experience times in our lives where we feel absolutely alone, abandoned, rejected, where we just don't connect with God, where we just feel like, what's going on? Where is my faith? What happened to me? We're going to experience those things. And what Jesus is building in the disciples and building in you and I is that when these times come, and they will come, that we can move forward by faith. It's not like we're experiencing that rich, blessed presence of God. We can draw on what we have experienced plus what Jesus has said. And Jesus is also making another profound statement. He said, you are never alone. He said, I'm going to feel alone. You're going to desert me. You guys have just kind of figured it out, and I'm telling you, you're going to abandon me. And Jesus says, but I'm not alone. I have the Father. And in a similar way, uh, we are never left alone. God is always going to be with us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And, you know, there's a, a wonderful verse in Hebrews which we kind of need to have memorized because it says this in the last chapter of Hebrews uh, 13, verse 5. I will never leave you. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. I will never fail you, and I will never abandon you. And, and, and you know, there's times in our lives where we feel like we're being abandoned, or we feel like we're a failure. But Jesus is saying, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. And it's helpful when we go through those times to say, okay, I might feel alone, I might feel abandoned, but really I'm not. Uh, Jesus is with me. Now, the second part of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. It's not just the relationship with God the Father through him, which is so important. He's also saying that it's important for you and I 
to have real human beings, flesh, people that we can see and touch that uh, reveal Christ to us and God to us. And so he creates this institution, the church. And he says, okay, to have relationship also requires the church. It's great to have relationship with God the Father through Jesus, but you need each other. And so the second point I'm making, if you're filling in the blank, the prize of companionship with the church. And the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. And he's talking about the church. He's talking about the church is made up of you and me. And he's also talking about how each one of us are different, and yet we all needed to make the body function. And we get the picture here on verse 27. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And then he goes on to list some of the roles that people play in the church. Now, sometimes I think we get lost in that. Uh, thinking, okay, it's a church, we've got to do stuff, we've got to serve in children's ministry, coffee ministry, uh, whatever we do. But the reason we serve, the reason we do coffee ministry is to express God's love. I mean, if you're serving in the coffee ministry, you're not like handing coffee over. You're really handing the love of Christ to somebody. If you come and you work here during the week and you maybe like Sue Birchman who does a good job with the flowers and you're planting flowers, you're not planting flowers. You're making the church building look beautiful so that when visitors come, when you come, it, it, it's aesthetically pleasing. I mean, you're doing it for the Lord. When you teach in children's ministry, you're not just like, you know, letting the kids learn Bible study. You're hopefully imparting that God loves them. And the way you're doing it is sort of like Liza was saying. There's something that's caught. You want the kids to be able to see that you love Jesus and you're trying to impart that. So you're not just a children's ministry worker. You're a vessel that's imparting God's love into the youth or the children. So whatever aspect in the church you serve in, some part of that has to be an expression of giving Jesus' love out. Uh, it's like we need to receive Christ's love and we need to give Christ's love. And when we're both receiving and giving, we become whole. Uh, in chapter 13, the next chapter in 1 Corinthians, it goes this way. It says, if, uh, 13, chap chapter 13, verse 1, <clears throat> If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, in other words, if you can speak in tongues and, and you know, you speak different languages, but you don't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of uh, God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. In other words, you know, have the gift of tongues, great. Have the gift of prophecy, great. Have the gift of faith where you can, you know, pray for people and they're healed, and great. Uh, you know, excel in that stuff, desire that stuff, do that stuff. But the point is that you love people, that you're receiving Christ's love, and it's such an awesome thing that you want to help and encourage and nurture others, 
that they receive Christ's love. I mean, that's the point. And it finishes off this way. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. I mean, Jesus is really onto this idea that we receive God's love, that we experience God's love, that we know God's love, and that we are used by Christ to love others, to love those within the church and those outside of the church that people can experience God's love. You know, every now and then, uh, remarkable people will come into the church. Now, you're all remarkable, uh, but, you know, some people just, like, just love church. You know, if you cut them, they bleed church. And uh, 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 really was like one of these people. I mean, they, Aureli's been here like two weeks. And she calls me aside and she said, okay, um, how do we serve in this church? And I'm like, I hardly know you. You've been here two weeks. She said, yeah, yeah, we decided it's going to be our church and like, we need to get involved quickly and, and, and how do I serve? And I'm like, no, no, wait, wait, wait a minute. Like, you know, in three months' time, come back and we'll have this discussion because you know, next week I'm going to say something you're not going to like, and then, you know, the coffee's going to be cold, and you're just going to leave, and you'll be mad, and you'll, another church will be great, and, you know, we were great for this week, but next week, you know, not so much. So come back in three months' time, and she says, no, 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 you don't understand. See, my husband, uh, he's in the corporate world, and then he sticks around for two years, and then, like, we sell and move house, and we go elsewhere. I don't have three months to waste. I, I've got to get going right now, because in two years' time, we're out of here. And I'm like, Wow, really? Okay, so how do you want to serve? Oh, well, I can do this, and I can do this, and I can do this, and when can I start? And like, she's got it. And those of you that remember Katie Ankersek, she was in the military, and the same exact story. Uh, Katie, you know, gets deployed here to Boston, uh, shows up second week. Okay, I'm here. How do I serve? And I'm like, do you know anything about the vineyard? Nope, nothing about the vineyard. Okay, do you understand any about our values and our beliefs? I don't care about that. How do I serve? How do I get involved? I'm like, check in with me in three months' time. No, 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 no. I don't have three months to wait. Why not? Oh, because I'm in the military. In two years' time, we're gone. And I tell you, she did the exact same thing. She said, how can I serve? And she got right in, and most of the church got to know her in real short time. And she did exactly the same thing in the school. She went up to Hopkins Middle School and said, okay, how can I serve? Can I coach basketball? What can I do? Because... She knew she was only going to be around for a short time, so she needed to make friends really quickly, get invested really quickly. And people like that, you just know, are people that have experienced church. They, they love church, and they exude the love of Christ through them. It's an expression uh, of who they are, and they're just amazing people. The third uh, prize that Jesus desires a week understand is the prize of compassion, uh, companionship with family. It's not just that we love God personally. It's not just that we're part of the church community. Uh, God is also interested in your natural family. Uh, and it's really important that we treat our natural family wisely. Uh, and in First Timothy uh, chapter 5, we have this advice about how we should be taking care of people, and particularly our family. It says this, chapter 5, verse 1, 1 Timothy, Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. Treat older women 
as you would your mother, and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Take care of any widows who have no one else to care for her. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by, to- by taking care of them. This is pleasing. This is something that pleases God. So, you know, what the Apostle Paul is saying to us, taking care of your family is really a big deal. Uh, there should be a sense of responsibility, a sense of love. Now, look, no family's perfect. There's always family feuds, family dynamics, family factions. It doesn't matter. Our job is to get through that, see through that, offer forgiveness, take a leadership role, uh, but particularly care for those in your own family that need help and that need to be cared for. That's, that's our role. That's what we should be doing. So I, I just really want to wrap this up here today with this whole idea of Christ saying to us, He really cares about us. He cares that our life is rich and rewarding. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to experience Him afresh. And there is a sense where, you know, as you've been a believer for many, many years, you'll know that there's times when you go up and down where it's hot and cold, where you're excited about the Lord and then you're not so excited about the Lord. And uh, I just want to encourage you again today is to say, Lord, you know, can we renew that or rekindle that relationship, that love? Can I experience you again afresh? Uh, can I experience your love, uh, be on the receiving end of your love again? Uh, would you, you know, re-excite me so that I want to love others again? That even though I've been hurt and abused and misunderstood, uh, that you will help me again to be refreshed and to be restored so that I desire to want to serve others again and know that I'm going to be, you know, slapped around or misunderstood or but I want to do that. I want to serve others because you've loved me so much. But it, it only comes if we've experienced that love where God has refreshed us again. And part of that is just, you know, asking the Lord to refresh us, encounter us, pursue us again afresh. So let's just, um, why don't you hit the lights for me? Let's just pray. Uh, We'll do this little simple exercise. I've done this in the past. But to help us to, to focus, why don't you just take all the distractions, all the heartache, all the heaviness that you're going through, or the difficulties, or the things that have made you weary, and just put them in your hands. Just like picture them, just put them in your hands. Just, you know, whatever is sucked the life out of you, whatever is draining to you, uh, just put it in your hands. And then just physically just turn your hands over, palms down. Just let that stuff go. Uh, Give it to Jesus. You don't have to figure it out, work it out, sort it out. Just just start again. And this time, uh, open your palms up and just receive the love of Christ. Jesus, I just pray that you'd pour out your love. Lord, that you would touch people's hearts the only way you can. Lord, we're all different. We've all gone through different things. We're all in a different phase. But we all desire 
to be loved by you. Lord, if you will reach out and touch a Hindu girl that doesn't know anything about you, you'll touch us as we try and pursue you. And yet, Lord, we understand that your ways are not our ways and you're trying to teach us faith and sometimes things take a little while. But, Lord, we also acknowledge we need you now. So, Father, I just pray for your love to be poured out, that you'd encourage, that you'd go before, that you'd give wisdom, Lord, you'd give us the ability to forgive others. Lord Jesus, I just pray for your blessing. I pray, I pray, Lord, for what you've accomplished on the cross. For us to be your children. To have relationship with the Father. To be set free. Come, Holy Spirit. We just welcome your presence. Move in our hearts. Shake us around. Change us around. Move us around. Direct us, Lord, into your paths. Lord, we give you our plans. And we seek your plans. Lord, we give you our kids. And we ask you, Lord, for the wisdom to raise them. Lord, we give you our parents. And we ask you for the financial support and the wisdom, Lord, to love them and care for them. We thank you, Jesus, that you love us and that you're for us. And that you will never leave us won't forsake us. You won't abandon us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why don't we have the worship team uh, come on up and then I'll have Kevin share a closing uh, thoughts with us. Why don't you stand while the worship team comes up and let's do a closing song. I just want to suggest that God may have put somebody in your heart as I'm preaching today, some person, and if he has, you might want to just reach out to them. Send them a card, a phone call, uh, a letter, whatever. But if, if, if a person has come to mind, uh, I just encourage you to respond and to you know, do the loving thing and, uh, and reach out to them uh, in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, we just come as we are. We just lay it down before you, Lord. We know that you will restore us, that you'll lift us up, that you'll heal us, that you'll pour out your love in us. And Lord, I just pray for your people. I just pray that this would be a week of refreshing. Lord, a week where they encounter your presence, where they see your hand. Lord, we just, I just lift up your people in your name, Jesus. Amen.
I just want Kevin to uh, share what came up in prayer today. And if this is you, uh, I encourage you to come forward and receive prayer. And if not, uh, after this, uh, we'll, be, we'll be done. Thanks, Rob. I'm Kevin. Um, I just believe uh, this morning, for those of you who, who haven't experienced God's goodness, I, I believe he wants you to experience it today. So I want to share a couple pictures. The first one's based on a scripture, Psalm 73, 21. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. And then in verse 26, my health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Uh, so the picture was of um, the Lord making bricks out of mud. And so maybe there's someone here who feels like the, you have bitterness in your heart, that sort of mud, and the Lord wants to put it in the oven and make something strong out of it. Uh, and, and I believe this connected to the message today. Maybe you feel like God or someone in the church or someone in your family has hurt you uh, and, and caused you to be bitter, and I just believe the Lord wants to heal you and, and make something strong out of it in your heart. Uh, and then secondly, there was just a picture of someone... Uh, underwater and they could still see the the sunlight through the water and so maybe there's someone who feels like you're overwhelmed or, or even drowning in some way uh, but I believe the Lord wants you to know he sees you he knows where you're at and he's going to pull you out of it um, so if, if that's you I just encourage you to come up for prayer and if you'd like prayer for anything else we, we'd love to spend a few minutes praying with you so, folks, our service is done. Come forward for prayer if you'd like. Otherwise, head out in the lobby and get a cup of coffee and say hi to somebody. If you want to hang out and just pray in your seat, you're welcome to do that too. But do pick up your kids. Get a cup of coffee out in the lobby. Come forward if you'd like prayer. Bless you. Have a great week.